We're back to being a normal country. We're back to being a country. The British Dream Podcast. Join us. Powerful people. As we launch our despicable acts like these. And the sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. It's results day. It's about half 12. By the time this goes out, who knows where we're going to be. I'm Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor at Vice.com. I haven't slept for seven weeks. During the fact here, we have Sam Wilson. All right. Sharon Kale. Hi, Simon. And Henry Langston. Up the foxes. <laughs> and let's get straight to the question of the hour, which is WTF. What's been going on? Whatever the results are, try to calm down. The Conservative Party will ensure that we fulfil our duty and behave like an adult. Uh, OK, so we're looking at Tories on 318 seats, Labour on 261, Lib Dems 12. Oi, oi. <laughs> SNP 35. Where were you guys when the exit polls dropped? Um, I was at a, a momentum party in a pub and people were like, Larry, actually, really fucking That's Larry. probably the best place to be when that uh, that's that uh, yeah that dropped. Yeah, like a lot of beer was spilled down my like new white trousers that night. Was it, was it like scoring a goal, a football kind of thing? Yeah, but I think like there was like this pause and then everybody like stared at the screen and then everyone got out their phones and started doing like calculator app. <laughs> and then people were like, oh shit, this is not actually the disaster that we all thought we were heading towards. It was a weird atmosphere. Really, really weird. How long was the pause? Cause that's, I feel like there's the weird thing where it was like almost like 25 seconds in between them saying the Tories have the most seats and them saying it's going to be a hung parliament. Whereas when we, I was watching it with, with Simon and, and Gav and we were all like, the exit poll's coming. And then we both just sort of stood there in fear for like <laughs> half a minute. And then we were like, yes, y- y- yes, yes. <laughs> like, a, like a suspected disallowed goal in a football match that then is allowed and everyone loses their shit. Yeah. Very kind much. of sort of anticlimactic, but you'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As Sam says, I was watching with him just in front of a TV, but I think mentally I was uh, in sort of Theresa May's shoes just because I was just sort of, that's what fascinated me, just imagining like her reaction to that moment and just thinking like, oh shit, like sort of your political career like slamming into the brick wall of your own like horrible lack of charisma and detestability. (laughs) And yeah, that moment for her must have been weird and like awful. Yeah, I think that she thought that she could just take the British public from mugs, basically, and just do whatever the hell she wanted and just coast yeah. into this. The hubris yeah. is, like, amazing. It's, it's Shakespearean. I'm absolutely into it. But, I mean, someone was, like, making a reference last night in the pub to the fact that Gordon Brown never called a snap election, and a lot of people thought that he should have done at the time, and it's gone down in history as, you know, this huge mistake that he didn't do it and consolidate his majority. But I think what this shows is that anything can happen when you call a snap election and you shouldn't cruise into it on a half-baked policy platform, barely bothering to connect with your uh, constituents and your voters and expect to win. I also think she's just in such a bad position now. Like, if you lose your job, even if you're a bit of a prick, people are going to feel sorry for you. If you get fired, you know, from doing bad at your job, people feel bad for you. If you gamble away all your earnings <laughs> and then lose all your money and then like start asking people for money no one feels sorry for you do you know what i mean like i just think the diff you know like if she had lost an election people would have said well it's hard it's brexit you know she was dealt a tough hand and she took over whereas now 
I mean, she just looks so bad. Exactly what you said. It's just hubris, isn't it? It's just like... But yeah, I mean, I think that's true. But also, like, that mainly kind of came about during the campaign. Like, her refusal to campaign made that happen. If she, if she had called a snap election, because she, she's like, I need a man- mandate. And then she actually campaigned really hard and, like, sort of had any respect for, like, people or the democratic process, we wouldn't necessarily be saying this. But it's like it was, like, her just fucking massive arrogance. Lazy arrogance. She yeah. Super lazy. Like... If you're I know not- that's when I woke up this morning, I was just like, oh yeah, she didn't do any debates. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, shit. of course, she didn't do any interviews or debates or put forward a policy agenda in any meaningful way. Like, oh yeah, that's why you lose an election. And people have been talking about how, like, Labour bought the student vote, which is, like, just the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Like, we're the fifth richest economy in the world. Like, I think we can afford to give people some, like, university education if other poor countries are doing it. And I don't think that's a really valid uh, defence on the Tories as to why they lost. Like, the real reason they lost because Theresa May dialed it in basically and didn't well, do anything. And also, I mean, yes, obviously Labour made sure that they tried to win over the student vote, which is a good That's start. Not bribery, though. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not bribery, but like the Tories didn't even try. Like there was seemingly little to no engagement with like the youth vote, which they were told repeatedly there were going to be more and more young people voting. You know, they, when the the deadline day figures came through on how many under 25s uh, registered to vote, which is 250,000 on the last day alone, that, that right then should have been a signal, a very late signal to the Tories that they should have pulled their finger out and at least tried to engage with the youth because that's an, you know, an undoubtedly massive advantage if you'd bothered to engage with them at all, which they obviously didn't. I think you have to be careful. There's a lot of like, not to say fake news, but fake news flying around about how high the youth turnout people are saying it's 72, 73%. Mm. I'm sure when the research comes out, it's not going to be that high. But it will be high though. Like. It will be high, probably EU referendum high. And I also think that you've got to be careful. Like I think a lot of people, especially on TV last night, were saying, well, of course, Jeremy Corbyn did well because of tuition fees uh, and and that kind of version of engaging with the youth vote as if, you know, people like young idiots were like sort of suckered up by this policy that was totally unaffordable. Whereas actually, I really don't think that's what it was at all. And, you know, all the coverage we've done of kind of youth politics over the last couple of months has been people enthused and excited about the kind of politics that they've never experienced before in their lives. Yeah. And I think like there was a very, the Tories last night on TV were already getting really transactional about the youth vote. Like if only they'd legalized weed or whatever, then maybe they would have got the youth vote. And that's, I think, a really bad reading of of what happened. Yeah, yeah. Because so far we, we've talked about sort of in quite negative terms, like Theresa May fucking it. But obviously the other side is... Yeah, actually this like quite galvanizing campaign from Labour, like a very positive campaign. And I think that we really need to emphasize as well, like just how well like momentum did on the ground in terms of getting people mobilized and getting them out. Yeah. Um they like they use a lot of techniques that we use in the Bernie Sanders campaign. And I think that like a lot of like sort of senior, quite like old school like Labour figures were like, What the hell was going on? Like how has this happened? But actually the reality is that there's been a ton of people out knocking on doors that they just haven't known about because they're not affiliated with that part of the party anymore. You have to be careful though. Like Labour lost the election. I mean it's a really weird election where like the Tories lost the election, Labour lost the election, the Lib Dems lost the election, the SNP lost the election, <laughs> and UKIP lost the election, and no one's able to form an overall majority. Like, just mathematically and logically, none of that makes any sense. I think you've got to be careful about saying everyone's got egg on their faces, etc., etc. Like, there I are... mean, they do, they like... They, they do, yeah, totally. Like, given, you know, the, we know the reason why the snap election was called, uh, and that's because, you know, 
arrogant Tories thought they'd just smash Labour and, and get another massive majority. And by those silly predictions alone, that means, yeah, there's a lot I mean, of egg on people's faces because, like, yeah, Corbyn wasn't supposed to do this at all. And here he is. You know, I, I personally am not a massive fan, but, like, it's amazing what he's managed to do. It's, a, it's amazing what the grassroots campaigners have managed to do, and it's totally sort of thrown everything up in the air. Uh, and, like... Again, the polls were sort of all over the place, but maybe YouGov actually got it yeah. right last week, at least with the polls they had for hung parliament. Then they sort of, I think, tried to temper expectation with their last one, which showed a, a Tory majority. But yeah, nobody really wins, but it's still fucking amazing. Actually, I have to say, Ruth Davidson's done okay out of this. Like, just, actually, yeah, that's yeah, the, the one Scottish winner. Scottish Tories, yeah, 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 they actually really smashed it. It must be said, the DUP, who not only mm. are about to be in government, but also made massive gains in uh, Northern Ireland, as did Sinn Féin. The SDLP in Northern Ireland have been completely wiped out. It's their worst election in living memory. And that, who would have thought that that kind of internal Northern Irish politics would make such a big difference to the national picture but if the DEP hadn't won so many MPs you know they would be playing a much less important role right now yeah it's like this completely ignored part of the country that really it feels like I hate to say it but it really feels like no one gives a fuck about Northern Ireland yeah or at least haven't since like it's like oh we did the peace deal now okay bye like we'll leave them to it now yeah and then now they're really important again via um sort of their version of, I guess, Trumpish politics. Mm. Yeah. Like very weird social conservative Christian party that's now going to be kind of scarily powerful. So I think we really need to kind of emphasise who the DUP is because I feel like everybody's been Googling them this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the DUP are, in my opinion, worse than UKIP when it comes to their, comes to their policies. Like firstly, they're a lot more kind of efficient and well-organised than UKIP. And secondly, they are... It's extremely socially conservative and by socially conservative i mean homophobic anti-abortion 40 percent of dep activists believe in creationism like this is the worst possible outcome in a lot of ways for for people who believe in liberal values and another thing that i should mention is that the dup now will pretty much end any chances that northern irish women had of getting abortion access and that's actually like quite a major thing like they've been pushing for abortion access for so long and yeah. that's that's off the table now like this is a very bad day for northern northern irish women and i'm very proud of the results that are coming in all over the country tonight of people voting for hope voting for hope for the future and turning their backs on austerity maybe if you're a Labour fan, kind of like the best result possible because Labour sort of won the politics of like from a really, really low base, low start rather, they've like done really well. But if they'd won it, they'd be handed this like... Poison chalice. Yeah, massive poison chalice of like a really fucking difficult government. Now they just get to kind of... Well, I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen still, but like it seems like they get to, yeah, win the politics, not actually formally win the election and then watch the Tories like crash and burn with nah. this like... I'm going to have to call you out on that, I'm sorry. No? Okay. Like, I'm a Labour fan and I, I, I actually voted for Corbyn and I like him, but this is like not a good day for Labour supporters, I don't think. like we're, Unless there's another election in October and Labour manages to consolidate and, and get its shit together and, and win by then, which is possible. Like What we're looking at now is an extremely socially conservative government that's actually going to have a really weak hand in Brexit negotiations and oh, so yeah. socially I mean... conservative issues are, are not... 
the staple bread and butter stuff that Labour voters want. Like we are now looking down the barrel of five years of an extremely right wing government. Like this is a bad day for me uh, as a Labour voter. I disagree with that just because I think there is a real minority now of socially conservative MPs in Parliament, and I think that a lot of potential socially conservative things that that Theresa May's government might have wanted to do, they're not going to be able to do. They're not going to be able to do anything except try and stumble and trip their way through the Brexit negotiations. Totally disagree with you on that. I think that the 1922 committee are pretty powerful and they're extremely socially conservative and now that the DUP is going to be part of this new government that we're forming. I mean, who the even concessions knows? will have to yeah. be made yeah. towards the DUP certainly uh, to, to keep them on side. Um, and especially if the DUP are obviously pushing for a softer Brexit then the Tories might uh, sort of concede to be more socially conservative to ensure that the DUP don't push for that soft Brexit stance. One thing we should also really highlight, especially in the sort of the shadow of uh, Jeremy Corbyn being a terrorist sympathiser, the DUP are actively supported and backed uh, by the LCC, which uh, is an umbrella group for the Protestant Unionist paramilitary groups from the Troubles. Uh, now, obviously, there's there's Shit. peace in Northern Ireland in uh, inverted commas. Obviously, nowhere near as bad as as the Troubles, but there are still uh, you know there's still paramilitary activity, and these three groups the the UVF, the UDA, and uh, the Red Hand paramilitary groups. These instead of you know fighting against uh, the IRA like they used to, have now moved into uh, criminality and organised crime. And these, this is what the DUP is supported by. They are backed up by armed paramilitary groups. Now, is that even going to really be talked about? You know, is this something the Tories are going to bring up? Probably not, because they'll, part of their whole campaign was to <laughs> smear Jeremy Corbyn for being a terrorist sympathiser. And here the Conservatives are going into government, potentially, with a group backed by violent, murderous paramilitaries. But do you think it's something that Labour are going to bring up? I mean, the real question now is, like, how do Labour play this? Are they going to be smart? Are they going to be vicious? Are they going to be running kind of attack ads and exactly things like that? Are they going to exploit this government's minority government's weakness on those kinds of issues or is there going to be a kind of long period of working out what their position is and whatever and kind of dallying around I'm, surely that's what it now comes down to because it's so fluid you know neither grouping the progressive parties or even with the DEP the Tories don't have a proper majority if it came down to a big vote in which mm. everyone showed up no they're weak yeah. they're they're weak and wobbly as a <laughs> yes which i mean i guess for me is why i think this was basically a good result in that yeah we're looking at a very horrible government but like the kind of social movement that has come out of this campaign and the like groundswell of opinion among a lot of people a lot of young people is like something that didn't really exist before like mm. sort of political opinions that were very fringe are like very central now i agree with all of that but i think that one thing that corbyn hasn't proven yet and this may really change now that there's a much more unified labor party but he hasn't yet been a good 
leader, parliamentary leader of the opposition. Yeah. He hasn't seized on opportunities that have been there. He hasn't played politics by the old rules of playing politics. He's been an incredible politician and campaigner and changed the conversation. Your rules suck there. No, but I'm just saying he hasn't been effective in sure. opposing yeah, okay. the government's program in parliament so far. And it will be really interesting to see now if that changes and the Blairites get behind him. And also, you know, like, pe for example, like the Labour Whips office becomes a thing again, or if it's just going to be a fucking free-for-all. Like, six months ago, people were basically saying the Labour Party is just in shambles and there's all these different factions and they're not really a party and it's the end of the Labour Party. And now it really seems like there's a very strong unified Labour Party that could that operates yeah. much I mean, more effectively doing well causes that right yeah but it also seems to operate much more effectively than the Tory party mm. which looks like a shambles Order! let's try and make some sort of solid predictions not not for like the next few hours but like the coming months are we going to see another election am I going to have to go through this all over again <laughs> I saw you tweeting Henry last night that we all need to cancel our summer holidays. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously that was a joke, but I mean, I, <laughs> who's joking aside? The joking yeah. aside. The joking yeah. aside, yeah. all your holidays cancelled. Yeah, your, your mini breaks that you may have planned, uh, yeah, th forget about it, delay them till uh, December, maybe a ski holiday instead. Um, I mean, what, who the fuck knows? I mean, like, we are, what, 15 minutes away at the, right now from learning whether the Queen says yay or nay to this awful union made in hell. Uh, so will, will that mean that we that she says yes, they form a government, then we move forward with Brexit negotiations? Or I, I think mean, as Sharon rightly says, though, one of the big lessons from this election is that if you call an election that people perceive that is unnecessary or that they don't want or is another bloody election, then that affects you badly. And I think that parties are going to be that we still have the fixed term parliament act i think the labor party will be a lot less willing to vote for another election i think the tories would be a lot less willing to call one i think no one is going to want to be seen to be the people demanding another election right now i mean it'd be such a mess i mean this country has had now two general elections and a major future smashing referendum <laughs> in the space mm, of like smashing. two years i mean it it's, it's exhausting. just we're gonna it's exhausting and it makes us look like some sort of fucking tin pot like well basically a tin pot monarchy uh with a stupid electoral system that doesn't quite work but uh it's just it's terrible for us on pretty much every stage i mean we're almost verging on being as much of a joke as having donald trump as uh, president which i think is pretty damning but who do you uh, think had to explain what a hun parliament was to donald trump this morning because that is not a job <laughs> yeah. that i would have wanted uh, can you imagine yeah i think they may have just not bothered and they're just they're gonna, gonna wait it out <laughs> well, i mean we, you know this is this is the sort of period of period of the uk's history that people will actually write books about and you know i feel like you know i feel like uh we've all read history books that there's the, the sort of pre, the prequel, which is like there were seven elections in three years, and then something I don't know, some, something fucking momentous happened. Are you calling for a revolution again? I've never classic child, classic child, another bloody revolution. All I'm saying is it would be banter. <laughs> <laughs> Bant's revolution. Heard it here first. So I left the pub after the exit polls last night and I headed to a count in Bristol in a sports hall. It's always in a sports hall. 
I think 10pm is kind of the wrong time to start things in many ways. No one ever goes to bed at 10. No one goes out at 10 anymore. No one starts work, kicks off a good film. I don't know why that is, but it is. Are you second ballot? Um, no, I'm friend. You need to give answer to the next sentence. Do I? Yeah, through the game. Right. Hi, Joe, it's Jane. We've got Sam Bond um, down here. Do you want to come down and show me? So you're just signing so you've read this. <laughs> but you should probably read it, though. It was kind of busy at the count in the way gigs are busy, I guess. Local press, national press had to be there to be seen to be there, not because you actually had to be there kind of press. All pressed together in a pissy little room. One, two, and, and, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and... Um. So there were a few old hacks that think they've seen it all. They were surprised at the security last night. We had to be escorted in and out of the count hall. Like, there was this massive old sports hall full of zombies counting crosses on pieces of paper. I guess in terms of a spectacle, that's kind of the main jewel in the count crown, but it's not actually that interesting, I don't think apart from the fact that there was this guy in the middle of the room wearing the most dreadful mullet shouting orders on a broken old mic. How many people have you in there? What, in the Tesla Count staff? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's about 50, but I can double-check. That'd be good, I'd love to know. Yeah, but we're not allowed in the hall yet, I can't remember what you said. You're not, unless you, unless you want to, then we can go down and ask, and ask permission. I'd love to go down in the hall as soon as I've... Yeah, do you, want, do you want to drop your stuff? Yeah. And then if you guys want to come down together, I'll yeah. take you down. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I just need to ask um, Blokey, nice. that guy there. Yeah, fine. And then it's all good. Um, yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. Arranging interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So that's, but that's, that's all there is. And using phones off camera. You see, I'm never that impressed with MPs. Like, they're rarely that clever. They always say dumb stuff. Last night at the count, the candidates all rocked up slowly, one by one. The Lib Dems were first. They looked genuinely terrified by the exit polls. Didn't even want to look me in the eye. It's a tough time to be a Lib Dem, so I was told. It's sort of like an old-fashioned election from the 1980s, despite the use of widespread use of social media. The Greens, well, there was something of an alliance, so that was pretty cool, and she seemed nice. Labour then arrived, looking really confident as he strode round the counting hall, smiling his Cheshire Cat smile. Could it be his night? Well, maybe. It has been in so many counts around the country. Oh, it's a sense of calm uh, as opposed to confidence. Calmness in the sense that nothing is known until the votes are cast. So last night was my first ever election count. I enjoyed it kinda. Things I learnt, well, they don't supply any coffee, not even crap coffee, bring your own. There's a weird group of people, many of which have mullets, apparently, who kind of know what they're doing. They do the stuff and everyone else just follows, I guess. You walk around a lot, do a lot of exercise, walking from the declaration room to the count hall, nip outside, get some 4G, do a little thing on the radio, and then it's over in a flash. You see, pretty soon after I'd rocked up, set my tripod up, interviewed some people about some stuff, had my packed lunch, it was over. He won. Well done, mate. You won. And the sports hall can go back to being a sports hall again. 
I, Ian Salt, being the Deputy Returning Officer at the election held on Thursday the 8th of June 2017, do hereby give notice that the number of votes cast for each candidate at the election is as follows. That is the sound of an empty sports hall and some free fruit just lying around. So this is how it ends, okay? So what was everyone's like key moment of the night last night? There was a couple that really made me very happy. I mean, one, seeing the Tories lose seats in West London just mm. feels great. Just the idea that London is now basically its own political bubble and there's just no room <laughs> for them. I was, I mean, sad to see Zach Goldsmith win by 50-odd votes, but elsewhere in, in, in West London and still maybe in, I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll probably know whether they lost in, in Kensington, but it seems quite likely, which would be phenomenal. Can they lose Kensington? Well, let's not talk about that if we don't know. But I mean, they're saying it's as within 30 votes and they've done three recounts. In Kensington and in Chelsea. Kensington. Chelsea is now a different seat or something, but yeah. Uh, champagne um, socialists, mate. Exactly. Champagne socialists all across West London in their million pound <laughs> houses. It's great. Um, the best thing is not something that I got to see, but just hear about that apparently uh, Rupert Murdoch stormed out of the Times election party mm -hmm. when he heard the result. And I just sort of, I mean, I just dream of him sort of crying or something great. I, that, that would make me happier than anything else. I mean, just just the thought of Dakar and all these lads completely just seeing their Pulling kind of their power head. ebb away, a generation of new voters who don't read their papers i mean it really people always kind of rubbish the somewhat on it theory but it has been on the right side of every election for the last 40 years as well as the brexit vote and uh it does seem like this is the first one they've really fucked up hmm. henry any key moments uh i mean for me seeing like a local seat near me warwick and leamington from back home uh go from conservatives to labor was pretty great i mean my home constituency obviously still a tory majority but labor massively increased their vote share and ukip uh disappeared so that was always great especially when yeah you've got the tories as the first party and ukip as second so I feel quite usually ashamed of that. But it looks like Labour managed to increase their share, which was kind of great. Um, but just, I think I, w I was, you know, the polls were so all over the place, but um, I was still very sort of sure that it was going to be, I'm going to go to this party, it's half nine, in about an hour's time, I'm going to probably turn around and go home again. But instead, I left at about half two because, yeah, obviously the exit polls were completely against what most of us thought um, were going to turn out like. So I just think that the general surprise of it for me was great. It's something I really wasn't expecting, mm. um, you know, especially after the last couple of elections and referendums, not just in the UK, but, you know, in the US with Trump. It was, uh, it was we, we were owed one, to be honest. I mean, yeah, obviously <laughs> yeah. Labour didn't 
technically win, but having such a massive surge and forcing a hung parliament, I think is still in many ways a victory. Yeah, because like before the night, I was kind of thinking like, well, the Tories are going to win, but it would have been overall a sort of positive positive campaign for like young people getting involved in like um, believing in a type of politics which is like loosely close-ish to the kind of politics that I'm interested in. Mm. Um, And so we're going to be, you know, people on the left are going to be disappointed tomorrow, but actually there'll be a lot of things to take heart from. That was kind of my sort of prediction. And then it's like, it is that plus like watching Nick Clegg lose and like watching him look really bummed out. I mean, at the very least, there's just so much schadenfreude just watching like the the Tory campaign, Theresa May's face when she gave her constituency win speech. Like the whole thing is just watching the Tory reaction to the whole thing is just intensely enjoyable (laughs) to the point where you feel almost like it should be a guilty pleasure but it's not you just love it no there's no guilt it is that brilliant that two feelings that i just haven't felt in such a long time of hope and schadenfreude just like (laughs) mixed up all in my heart and my guts just feels great shame when when the dust has settled what's going to be sort of something that you take away from this i think that obviously this has been a very bad election for Theresa May, who is a woman. Um, and it's also probably going to end up being a very bad thing for the women of Northern Ireland in terms of their abortion access. But actually, I think this has been quite a good election for women. Um, you know, Ruth Davidson and Arlene Foster are coming out of this quite well, whether or not you agree with their politics. Um, and we've got the most female MPs ever in Parliament now. We've got 207 female MPs, which is that's up 10 MPs, which is obviously uh, good progress, although there's still more that we need to do. Um, and also there's been some really nice female stories from this from this election, like, for example, Birmingham Edgebaston, which has actually been continuously represented by women, just elected its first ever uh, female um, Sikh MP, which is really, really cool. Um, her name is Preet Girl. I also enjoyed very early on yesterday, um, I don't know if you guys saw, the, there was a photographer and a cameraman getting in like a fight outside. Tim Farron was walking in to cast his vote in the morning. And uh, yeah, a, a sort of press, there was a bit of a press scrum and a cameraman and a photographer got in like a sort of weird, like, get off, like slappy sort of fight, which was... I've actually been in one of those that myself. That was good. Yeah. Uh, outside the front of Houses of Parliament. Yeah, the, the perennial battle between... Uh, photographers and uh, news crews well news crews are like so fucking territorial yeah and like whiny (laughs) in my my small experience of this Um, I lulled the most when uh, Russell Brown tweeted so there you go voting like I've always said (laughs) (laughs) oh Russell Uh, which I thought was a I mean I I genuinely feared that the sort of Russell brand endorsement was actually more of a a sort of curse thing that sort of signifies that whoever he endorsed usually loses so I was afraid that when he came out for for Labour and Corbyn that he might curse curse all the lads that's the story of the night it's like it's like those kind of hexes being lifted speaking of hexes who's got the most egg on their face from the night is it jk rowling why well she has been tweeting this whole time that uh she sort of tries to translate politics into the world of harry potter (laughs) and says stuff like Corbyn isn't Dumbledore and stuff. Uh, and what was it irredeemably Hufflepuff? Like. <laughs> yeah, all of this kind of stuff. She has been a very sort of Blairite person this whole time and uh, talked about how Corbyn is, is 
evil Hufflepuff guy. It's that whole thing of, oh, I would love, I would love it if a, if a Corbin Labour Party could win, but it's just not possible. And it's like, mm, well. <laughs> I mean, it's not possible. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't happened. Let's, let's just keep us. Foxes live uh, to fight another day. I think this might show. Do might they show. know? I Do don't they? know what's going to happen to Foxes. I feel like the DUP will be cool with just signing off on Fox on No, I think it's it's massively right at the very fucking bottom of their agenda right now. When you have to actually go and beg the Queen to let you run the country, I think you'll probably give fox hunting uh, a bit of a miss. Got bigger fish to fry now, hopefully. What well, if the Queen wants wants her to bring back fox hunting? There will be a violent anti-monarchy revolution <laughs> and we'll put the royal family where they belong. Thanks, Sam, Sharon, Henry. You're the most bleary-eyed we've ever had. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Everything Audio. God knows when we'll be back, but stay positive.